Welcome everybody to the Big Dudes in the Trenches podcast. It's me. Oh my god, back. we're back! <laughs> I do exist. I'm not completely better, so I might not talk as much as normal, but I am still here, and I'm very much so ready to talk college football. Unfortunately, before we get to college football, we have to get to the NFL stuff, which I know everybody else cares about, but come on, college football is so much more exciting. <laughs> I don't know, man. There's been some trades I never thought I'd see in a million years happen this week in the NFL. So I don't know how you can't be excited to see see what's going to happen true. with their new teams and their old teams, for that matter. I was just going to say a couple things to jump into here. We're going to jump right on into it. Um, you can tell it's NFL trade deadline season, and you can tell that because moves are happening. Uh, so I was talking to you guys this weekend before we get into our actual news. Um, the Jets said they don't want to move on from Elijah Mitchell, but a healthy scratch after he requests a trade the week before the trade deadline seems very suspicious to me. Um, that indicates that we're near trade deadline season, and to me it indicates that the Jets are probably in talks with somebody uh, out there, uh, and they're getting close to a deal, but we'll see. But there are two trades that are solidified paperwork filed in the NFL. Uh, a couple of these players have already played with their new team, actually. One of them has. Uh, guys, I promise you, literally, as we signed off on Thursday, this news broke across the NFL. Uh, we, we missed it by, like, five minutes. Uh, Chris, the Carolina Panthers have sent Christian McCaffrey to the 49ers, and if you watched the game this weekend, you knew that. Uh, the 49ers are sending their second round pick and their third round pick in the 2023 draft as uh and a fourth round pick this year as well as a fifth round pick next year my question is this the niners have been able to do it with just about anybody more importantly they have a receive that can play running back why did they go after cmc here because you can always get better at the position uh, i mean what what blows my mind more is Literally, it had just been reported that CMC was unlikely to be traded because of what the asking price from the Panthers was. Several picks was all I'd really heard. And there's no way I thought he would move unless there was going to be first-round draft picks involved. And I couldn't see any team in a position uh, to make a push for the postseason at all this year really wanting to give that type of draft capital up. Unfortunately, I was incorrect, and the 49ers gave up three picks two of them next year second and third round so they'll have no day two picks of their own at least they can still make trades for others and then a 2024 fifth round i mean i i'm surprised that that was enough to get cmc uh i would have expected one first and then maybe maybe the third uh it seems like a weird collection of picks but if 49ers are confident with the draft strategy that they have to not need them or think their team's in in good order i i understand it that they were willing to offer it. What I don't understand is how the Panthers thought that this was acceptable with all the needs on their team. I mean, all the needs on their team. Sure. But your, your asking price for CMC is limited with the amount of injuries that he's had. Um, that's going to be, I, I, I would argue that was the driving factor on this uh, was his injuries. It, and, and for me, that really is the concern. I'm not going to sit here and say that CMC is, injury prone although he's he has had injury shortened seasons i think two of the last three seasons if not all that all the all of the last three 
Um, but hey, what's what's wrong with adding one more potential injury issue in your running back room when that's all you've got it filled with right now? Um, I don't know. It the the price the Panthers got makes sense to me. Granted, Christian McCaffrey can be a prolific uh, talent at their out there at the running back position. But I don't know if they needed it. I don't know if they need to spend these picks to get it. The underrated part of this acquisition to me is Christian McCaffrey's skill at the slot, uh, yep. which may actually be somewhere the 49ers look to utilize him more than the running back position, honestly, based on just pure route running ability and the fact that they're really not that good or deep at the receiving core and they're much deeper at running back. Getting another guy who's capable of both just gives them a couple of options there. And I would I would not be at all surprised to see Christian McCaffrey actually line up as a receiver in multiple sets from 49ers. I'm just going to laugh when CMC is lined up out there at wide receiver and Debo's in the backfield. Like, that will be funny to me. It's going to happen. We all know it is. Very well, might. I think actually Christian McCaffrey is probably a better route runner than Debo. So that's fair. <laughs> Debo's the better playmaker, which is crazy to say because Christian McCaffrey, before all his injuries, was one of the best playmakers in the league. Yeah. We got uh, we got J Rob in the comment here. He must be on our notes here because he already called out our next story. James Robinson going to the Jets. Look, we already touched on the Jets a little bit with Eliza Mitchell uh, being a healthy scratch essentially. And then they lost Elijah Brees Moore. Hall. Elijah Moore. It's killing me. I can't, can't handle it anymore. Oh, did I say Elijah, Elijah Mitchell earlier? Yes, you He's did. He's the running back for the 49ers. That's that's my right. bad, guys. Wide receiver for the Jets, Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore. Healthy ben, you scratch, know better than to play. trust the names I throw out there. Come on. It's very, very true. So he was healthy. He was a healthy scratch. And the Jets just gave up a six-round, conditional six-round pick for James <laughs> Robinson. Uh, which is convenient because they just lost Brees Hall for the season. We'll talk more about that later. I mean, let, let's give up a conditional that... sixth, requiring a running back, and then you have another player that looks primed for a trade. I feel like everything's coming up Millhouse for the Jets right now. No, you're you're not wrong. Uh, and let let's call this as it is. The Jets are really giving up a fifth round pick for James Robinson because he only needs, at least according to reports, if I were. To actually read the text, I would be surprised if it said he needed 600 more yards. Uh, but as the reports are saying, he needs 600 total rushing yards on the season. Uh, he's already got 340, so he only needs 260 more. So they'd be willing to give up a fifth round here, which makes complete sense to me. I think that's a steal. Uh, and you, you mentioned Brees Hall, and frankly, I think that is the driving factor behind this. I think if Brees Hall is healthy, didn't tear his ACL, he's there all uh, they're not making this trade. Um, unfortunately, Brees Hall did tear his ACL, uh, was starting to look like a strong candidate for Offensive Rookie of the Year, in my opinion. Um, greatest name I've heard an announcer call anybody right now is Brees Lightning. Uh, and I heard that call live and was immediately stoked for it. Uh, but his rookie season is going to be cut short, and that's that's unfortunate. But no, I think the Jets are in, in a good position. They needed this. Uh, Michael Carter's not going to be your only running back out there uh, he's not a true number one, uh, but James Robinson giving you that speed option behind Michael Carter is absolutely insane. 
yeah, I don't think there's a need if Brees Hall doesn't get hurt, but at the same time, shit, I'd give up a six round pick for James Robinson right now too. No, absolutely. No, hundred percent agree. Um, yeah. So Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers had a weekend, not a good one, but they they had a weekend. And um, honestly, they're both disputable or undisputable, however you want to say it. First uh, Hall of Famers, and they both both lost to guys who really aren't starting quarterbacks. At least they are now. Uh, they have started the games, but they're not what you'd expect to be starting quarterbacks in PJ Walker and Taylor Heineke, respectively, uh, both out of the XFL. Oh, guys, what what are you thinking there? Yeah, I I mean, look, we everybody does it, make this uh, comparison between quarterback A versus quarterback B. What I think is bigger, the bigger story here is the struggles for both Green Bay and Tampa Bay. I mean, Mike Evans straight up dropped a touchdown pass. I mean, there is there was nobody within 15 yards of him, wide open down the field, and it just goes through his hands. <clears throat> I don't know how to write the ship for either team. I know the Buccaneers have been marred with injuries. This was a story preseason that their offensive line was significantly depleted due to injury. Aaron Rodgers last week after the loss was quoted as saying, we're just doing too much, and every time we do that, this is the result you get. So I don't. You know, I don't know what you can really point to here. It seems like he has an idea. Maybe him and the coaching staff aren't in sync, which is fine with me. But if you're a Packers fan, this is certainly concerning because this is two games they absolutely should not have lost, especially not to the teams they lost them to. As far as the other side of this, P.J. Walker and the Carolina Panthers, this team has had pieces. I don't understand why P.J. Walker has been the medicine because he wasn't last year. Uh, it, it's very interesting that suddenly he's able to help elevate this team above a team like the Buccaneers. And then Taylor Heineke, he should have been starting from the beginning. I mean, this was a story going into the season that they shouldn't have signed anybody. They should have wrote it out with him. And look, look where we are in week seven. I am curious how much the coaching changes may have affected both of these teams. Maybe if Bruce Arians were still there in Tampa Bay, things would be going a little bit more smoothly. I'm not sure. But I also know that Todd Bowles hasn't worked anywhere else. So maybe that is an issue. And then Nathaniel Hackett, obviously not doing great as a head coach right now, but he was their offensive coordinator for both of Aaron Rodgers' MVP seasons uh, back-to-back the previous two years. So maybe that's affecting some things more than we realize. I think you're right with Todd Bowles. Um, I think the issue in Green Bay is more of the lack of wide receivers. They've got two young wide receivers who have a very bright future ahead of them, but it's not often that rookie receivers break out. I know last year we start to expect it because both Jalen Waddell and, um, and Jamar Chase broke out in their rookie season, but that doesn't happen that often with rookies. Um, they take a year or two. And that's, I think that's what we're seeing with Romeo, Romeo Dobbs and with Christian Watson. It happens with good rookies, but the Packers used to draft high. So, yeah, that's true. And just then, an update, we and Chris, are, Chris Olave is leading the Saints right now. So, we are, of course, 
We are, of course, recording during Monday Night Football, as we always do. It's Bears, pa- Bears Patriots, not Bears Packers. We've been talking about the Packers. Justin Fields just scored a three-yard touchdown run, which you can see on our stream, thanks to the Sports Scorebot, if you want to join us on Twitch this Thursday. Absolutely. Ben, I, I saw you trying to hide that smile when that when that update came through and then when the I touchdown saw, was scored. <laughs> I saw the I saw the sports score bot update before I saw the play, so I was really curious what the play was gonna be. But no, it is what fair. it is. Uh Doug, you put this story in here and I really wanna see uh I've seen this story some too. Raw, some raw reaction about Mike Evans uh and the referees yesterday. Yeah, so there's a video circulating uh, on social media that shows the refs, two refs, apparently, don't know for sure what they were doing, but they were getting Mike Evans to sign something, and it certainly looked like they were just like fanboying a little bit and trying to get an autograph. Now, that goes directly against the literal wording of the collective bargaining agreement with the refs. It says any ref in uniform cannot be getting autographs or memorabilia from players. That's literally a byline in the CBA. So the NFL is looking into this, making sure that's actually what happened, because there might be some other weird reason they needed Mike Evans to sign something. And it wasn't necessarily like a picture or anything. It was just a piece of paper. So it might've been something that the refs needed for their job, but the NFL is curious enough at this point to investigate. So I don't know what happened, but man, that's fishy. And (laughs) I'm glad Tampa Bay didn't win because this would fuel a lot of speculation. Too bad. You know, what's interesting, though, is if the rest would have just waited until after the game, changed out of uniform real quick and, you know, said, hey, can you meet us back in the back in the tunnel after the game or the way it sounds, too, they could have, you know, run into him as they were walking in and had him sign some before everybody got dressed and it would have been fine, which is equally ridiculous. Right. I want to say, man, I don't know if I'm going to be choppy here, guys. I'm sorry if I am. Um. Look, there's nothing that refs need signed by the players after a game. That'd be more of the head coach than anything else. Uh, that's just me calling it like it is. I, I don't know. This seems you fishy, but I'm with you, Doug. At least the Bucks didn't win. At least the Bucks didn't win. Exactly. All right, we're gonna have a one statement on this one, guys. I promise you, I won't ask the question. But Todd Gurley finally retired. Um, Kind of a shame because he had such a great start to his career. He looked like the next it at running back. I uh, just couldn't sustain it after that. He had old man knees. Well, and he had a tough act to follow. I mean, Marshall Falk was followed up by Steven Jackson in St. Louis. And a lot of people, uh, you know, Steven Jackson basically had an uphill battle to, to go with here, replacing the Hall of Famer. And Steven Jackson, you know, we're not talking about him. He definitely was closer to any type of Hall of Fame career than Todd Gurley. So Todd Gurley already had huge shoes to fill on the backs of two giants at the position for that franchise. And then, yeah, like you said, bad knees. Could he have gotten there? Maybe. He definitely showed flashes of it at Georgia. But if I remember correctly, he was the second in a string of Georgia quarterbacks that had horrible knee injuries, somehow still made it into the NFL, and just were guys in the league. 
And then there's Nick Chubb, who had that horrendous knee injury and is lighting it up in the NFL. Um, For now. Why don't you say that? That's All right, I am going to go. Fuck. Yeah, Jeez. I I am going to go down the list of remaining injuries. We talked about Brees Hall. I don't need to add much to it. Uh, that one really is a shame uh, with the season he was starting to piece together. Uh, J.C. Jackson, one of the major free agency signings of this offseason out in Los Angeles for the Chargers, ruptured his patella tendon. Uh, that is the the tendon that keeps your kneecap on your knee. Um, so that's a bad day. Uh, it was a non-contact injury. Um, I watched the play. It didn't seem like anything that freaky happened with the leg. Just a freak football incident. Happens. Uh, next one, Ben, I kind of want your assessment on this one uh, with the way you've been outspoken about the concussion protocol and and validly so. Uh, so reportedly, Amon Ross St. Brown was removed from the game due to the new, new standards under the concussion protocol. Uh, but according to Dan Campbell this morning, he is now was never actually placed in concussion protocol, just removed from the game, told he couldn't return and is clear to return to practice and play. What, what are you thinking on this one? If he wasn't, if he wasn't ever in concussion protocol, and he's still not in concussion protocol, was never had to be pulled out of concussion protocol. He shouldn't have been out for the game. If that, you know, like if he, I get it. If they go into, if you put somebody in concussion protocol, they absolutely shouldn't be pulled out of it or allowed back into the game. If you want somebody to go get examined and decide, hey, they don't have a concussion at the time, that's fine. Don't put them. You know, it's coach's discretion at that point. I think that's fine. But to be ruled out for concussion protocol but not be in concussion protocol doesn't make any sense to me at all. No, I agree. And I, I didn't see the play, so I wish I did. I don't know if this 100% falls under the the new, um, what's it, ataxia modifications, the stumbling, the blurred vision, the slurring of speech, all of those things. If it was, that's supposed to be immediately into concussion protocol, period, dot. So I hope he's okay. I hope we don't see a repeat of what we saw earlier this year. Um, man, I just want the concussion protocol to work. Like, that's that's the only thing I keep saying about this. There's no way around pulling a player out of the game entirely unless they're going to start dedicating you know, actual medical teams on site that can yeah. examine it fully. Yep. during the game and maybe he comes back in the after halftime or something crazy. I, there's no way that's really going to happen. I mean, it's just equip this every is... stadium with MRI machines and all this sort of stuff. I mean, you can do it, I guess if you want to, but yeah. I don't know how that would ex actually help anything either. So, I mean, I think I... this is exhibit a of exactly what people didn't want to happen though. Yep. Yeah, but also I don't know how to make it better necessarily without doing something extremely drastic without Agreed. just better understanding concussions. So there needs to be a lot more research into it before anything can actually productively happen, I guess. Mm -hmm. All right, and then finally there are a bunch of other injuries. I'm only trying to cover the main ones to keep us moving along here. Uh, Matt Ryan uh, dislocated his shoulder. Um Sam Ellinger is going to start this week uh, and the rest of the season is the expectation. Uh, 
reports I have seen, I don't know if you guys have seen these as well, but reports I have seen basically say Matt Ryan was going to get benched anyway. Uh, in fact, I saw the news of his benching before I saw the news of his injury. Uh, what are y'all's take on this? Because Matt Ryan has not looked good all year. Yeah, I saw the report at the same time, injury and Ellinger's going to start the rest of the year. My assumption is that Matt Ryan is both not playing well and it would be better to go ahead and have surgery as so they're just going to go ahead and yeah. go with Ellinger. I, he probably could play this season if the Colts were like trying to. He probably but, shouldn't. Right. There's no reason to. Yeah, I mean, Sam Ellinger was okay in college. I never understood the hype uh, around him, except for that he played at the University of Texas. So it's going to be cool to see him get a shot. Uh, can't do worse. They're already, they're already not winning. So, All right, and then heading into our weekly commander's corner. Um, in the win against Green Bay, and it's important to note that the Washington Commanders won, Apparently, the stadium broke out into a chant of sell the team. Uh, obviously, in reference to uh, owner Dan Schneider, uh, man, apparently even his fan base wants him out. What leg does he have to stand on at this point? He has the money. That's that's really all there is to it. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah, I all don't... Right, move I don't, I don't get how you're going to take away from beating a, you know, their record might not indicate it, but a top team in the NFL uh, to complain about your owner. I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know what the NFL is going to do. Fair enough. All right, let's move on into our game reviews. For the first time in a long time, we had a Thursday night football game that had a bunch of touchdowns. Yeah, but like – Half of them were there. We go. Thanks, <laughs> thanks to pick sixes. So I'll take a pick six all day. I ain't gonna be mad about that. Uh, before we get in there, our records going into this week. I was sitting at eighteen and nine. Uh, ben was sitting at thirteen and fourteen, and Doug was was the bottom dweller here at eleven and sixteen. Uh, we will review how we are all doing after this week as we progress through these slides. Uh, but yeah, on. Uh, for our primetime matchups, uh, Ben and I pulled out the, pulled out a dub. Uh, Doug went with the uh, with the anti pick here, and um, I'm going to go ahead and say, man, I thought you had it for two drives in the last five minutes of the game, uh, but Miami came up big with some two interceptions. Uh, two things I got to say: one, I love that Noah Igbenogany got his first NFL pick. Two. I love listening to the announcers try and pronounce his name because they get it wrong every time. And it's always something different. Um, it's, it's kind of funny. And then it's even funnier knowing that I can pronounce it. <laughs> yeah. The irony of you criticizing someone's pronunciation of a name. Unreal. <laughs> also, um, Look, the, the summary of wow, the dolphins dolphins might be good on defense. Maybe. Is that let's true? let's hold up here? All right, it was sixteen to ten at half. It was sixteen to ten at the final. All right, just we had one oh, good, good half of all, of football. Whoa, whoa, whoa! 
you can have a good half of football without points being scored. There is a whole different side of this football game. You can. That's not what we got, but you can. Um, It's theoretically possible. I I was going to say, the the story of this game was Miami in the first quarter, not even the first half. Uh, They put up 13 points on their first three drives and then three the rest of the game. Uh, I personally am not a fan of going for it on fourth down when they did. I'd rather take the points there. Um, but I get it. Uh, we still held out for the win. And no, Doug, I'm with you. The, it depends on what metric you're looking at is, is Miami's defense good? They're going to give up yards. Uh, I have said this time and again. I'm okay giving you 1,000 yards a game. That doesn't bother me. Just keep the points off the board. And that's what Miami ended up doing. Uh, two red zone drives late in the game two game ceiling picks. I'm happy with that. I prefer defenses who don't give up yards or points, but that's just me. Also, it looks like Ben's going to totally beat us on Monday night so far. And now that Uh, I've said that it's going to be the Patriots. So yeah, thanks for that. That's okay. You're welcome. I I don't think the, I truly don't think the bears will win. I'm just not going to pick against them. So, but it is 10, nothing. So congrats on that for now. Ben, you had a in. solid game, man. Solid week. I did. And, you know, we talk about, or I talked about how it was a good half of football because there were no points scored in the second half <clears throat> of that Dolphins Steelers game. Well, this Bengals Falcons game was kind of the exact opposite. Yeah. If the Bengals were running the ball, the Falcons defense actually looked okay. They could not establish the ground game to save their lives. However, through the air, completely different story. It yeah, little like did I know when I made my pick, the Falcons' corners decided to be ass this year. And, and AJ Terrell was out. So, it, <laughs> you know, even even less help in that department. But it seemed like every time Joe Burrow dropped back to pass, somebody had 10 yards of separation. I mean, it was yeah. insane. And it, it wasn't just like he was keen in on Chase Young. He wasn't just keen in on Tyler Boyd. He wasn't just keen in on T. Higgins. There was plenty to go around, and the – Bengals, who had five interceptions in week one, had four touchdown passes this week, and Joe Burrow threw for a boatload of yards. This was yeah. and a, this was an amazing performance. This is the Bengals team that a lot of people were expecting to get post-Super Bowl, and it's finally coming to life. This was Joe Burrow's, like, sixth game thrown from over 400 yards and his third game with over 500 total yards on the game because he threw for like 483 and rushed for more. I mean, it's, he's setting some really specific, weirdly specific NFL record now because he's doing all this within the first three years of his career and having this, these many yards, but it's, yeah. Um, didn't expect that after watching the Bengals the first few weeks of the season. So that's cool. Uh, my game of the week there. was the Go ahead. I was going to say, at least they're finding their stride. I would rather they didn't this week, personally, but that's that's all right. Uh, <laughs> my, my game this week was Colts-Titans, uh, just because of the divisional storyline, and they were both, basically, the winner of this game was going to take command of the AFC South, now that the AFC South is that great of a division, but still. Um, this is the second year in a row the Titans have swept the Colts in the regular season, and... Honestly, the Colts didn't make it close, even though it was 1910. Uh, Derrick Henry, when he rushes for over 100 yards this season, the Titans win. 
and he, he rushed for over 100 yards this game. So they won for the third straight game in a row. I guess if they keep doing that, it'll be pretty good. Uh, Ryan Tannehill did come out in a walking boot after the game, but he's going to keep playing through it apparently. So, yeah, just keep running the ball. <laughs> Jaquan Brisker with a huge interception after having to sit out for a couple plays for going down with an injury. Uh, take that. Take that. Take that for picking New England. <laughs> I will gladly take it. Honestly, if the Bears win, I'll be very happy because fuck so the Patriots. Why? All right. Uh, my game was the Jets and Broncos, and when I made my pick, I did not know Russ was going to be out this week. Only the first uh, but I wrote, game in his career he didn't play. I, I, I was going to ride with it anyway. Uh, the Jets jumped out early again on a – honestly, on a massive pass to Brees Hall. I think it was his second long uh, receiving uh, receiving catch this year. I think that this one actually went for six. Um, and, again, Doug, the same thing you had just said. The Broncos never really made it close. Um, I don't know. I picked the Broncos because Russ had finally started to show some rhythm last week, and I didn't know he was going to be out. I think, I think if Russ is in this game, it – could go differently uh, if he's healthy, but apparently just everything is wrong with Russ right now. Uh, this week it was a hamstring. Last week was his shoulder. Uh, so we'll see. Um, I, I am falling off the Broncos very quick, and I will refuse to highlight them in any games uh, unless they're prime time again for like the 15th time this year. Um, I will not be picking them. Watch the Broncos still make the playoffs. Here's – Here's what's blowing my mind is everybody thought that the Seahawks were going to be in full rebuild mode, throw this season out, blah, 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 blah. They're on top of the <laughs> NFC West. On top of the NFC West. On the flip side, everybody's like, oh, the Broncos are going to be for real this year. They're back, baby. They got it all figured out now. Bottom of the AFC West. So it's <laughs> This is – It's a mess. Was Rust, was Rust the issue? Like, what's going on here? This is insane. Well, There's... I mean, they're not doing much better without him in Denver either. So I don't know. I don't think it's just Russ in Denver. <laughs> Oof. Anything All right. Let's else this... Before we move nope, right along here. All right. So this week, uh, I'm sitting at three and one. Ben is sitting at a perfect four and zero, trying to make it a perfect five and zero on the week. Doug, you're sitting at two and two. I'm taking risks. I know what I'm doing. Yep. If there was going to be a team to fuck up my perfect week, I knew it would be the fucking Bears. So I'm <laughs> fully expecting a collapse at some point today. It's... The anti-jinx. I can feel the anti-jinx through the I computer. Feel I feel it. I'm just used to my teams giving up leads late. <laughs> All right. Gross. I'm, I'm going to promise that I don't have an in with any of these NFL teams about these guys that we're sitting every week in fantasy. Um, this is the third week in a row I've hit a zero spot on my sit. Uh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. He had two targets, though. So he just sucks. At least at, <laughs> this one was like just an intelligent pick. This wasn't even a, oh, he got hurt and I didn't know about it. Or... You know, the team announced that they were benching him, and I didn't know about it. This was legitimately just, 
Michael Gallup was apparently not part of the fucking game plan this week. <laughs> I I told you I didn't I didn't like him going into the matchup, especially with Dak coming back. They didn't throw the ball a lot with Dak, surprisingly. Uh only twenty-five throws. Um yeah, not much for him to do there. He's only targeted twice. I don't know if this is an issue with him getting open or what. Um I don't know. Just doesn't look good for Michael Gallup. Uh, and then Tyreek Hill, I'd call it a solid start. I don't know if it's a, a great start. It's not the 20 points I expected. Um, but I'd he, say he a great start good. if you're PPR. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he he was targeted early and often. Um, the Steelers made a great adjustment in the at the back half of that first quarter, uh, dropping Terrell Edmonds, of all players, into coverage. And, man, that plagued the Dolphins' offense the rest of the night. They had Tyreek, somebody at least looking like they were on Tyreek all night. Yeah, I'll give you a solid 2-0 here this week. I'll take it. I'll take it. Which is it's not something I'm going to get. Uh, Dave Montgomery is my sit, and so far tonight, it's a good call. Hold on. Sorry before we move on, the zapping is happening. Bailey Zappi is in the game. Good nice. shit. And that means the Patriots are going to win, by the way. Probably. <laughs> he he yeah, is 3-0 this year. Dave Montgomery, so far, is looking like a good sit. Uh you know, we'll we'll see if it ends up being that way as well. My start, though, Melvin Gordon for, you know, being more involved in the offense this week, got a whole two receptions for 50 total yards. So, awesome. Yeah, only 33 yards on the ground, and he was still Denver's leading rusher. It's just yeah. a bad week for Denver. Yeah, so oh, yeah. this is, I mean, I think, I think moving forward, you got any Broncos player in your lineup? you might be looking to try and get rid of them or at the very least they're sitting on your bench until something significant happens. I don't even know what a favorable matchup uh, for the Broncos is right now. This team, I, I don't even know. I don't think anybody knows. No, I, I think they would match up favorably with the, uh, the Eastern Michigan Eagles. I think that would be a pretty good matchup for the Denver Broncos. I think they got one. Hold on, hold on. I mean, that that costs too much to travel. They're they're better off against Boulder. If we're if we're talking about college teams, I guess it's probably a good time to go straight into our college news. Yeah, why What's not? Uh, so away. yeah, so we've been starting off with um, alternate uniforms because it's fun to track this stuff, and we have some more that we didn't get to see until after the show came out on Thursday. Uh, so, you know, that happens sometimes. Washington came out in their royal uniforms or whatever they call them. Uh, a lot of gold in this one, which honestly looks kind of cool. I thought it looked decent on the field, too, which is cool. Almost like a gold chrome dome and then a lot of gold on the jersey and shiny gold on the pants. I don't know. Different. I've look. always I've always liked the, uh, the gold and purple combo, especially mm-hmm. in sports uniforms. I never understood the uh, connection to royalty. I, I, I know it has something to do with purple being, you know, an extremely tough, uh, tough color to blend and make in old times. But yeah, uh, I, I I love the color combo. Honestly, I mean, you pretty much nailed it. So it was just yeah. purple was hard to hard to get in little ancient times. I just, all it was. I, I just, it's yeah. Moving on. <laughs> That's all there is to that. So only the rich um, people had it. There it is. We completed it. Right. Yeah, nailed it. Uh, next slide, we have a couple of 
smaller pictures here, uh, but we get a couple on the same slide. So Ole Miss was busted out their reds. Uh, they'll probably never do that again after what happened to them this weekend. <laughs> nice. I approve. They should um, wear them every week. Oklahoma State, I do like these throwback helmets. Uh, it's uh, more like a faux back. Not necessarily actually something they used to wear, but I like the old logo and uh, incorporating some new design elements with it. I think it looks really cool. And then Colorado State here with the Colorado flag jerseys. I think the Colorado flag is one of the better state flags out there. I like incorporating that into your design. Um, ben and I have we, had a lot of conversations gotta, about state flags. We're going to have some flag talk. <laughs> I absolutely uh, I, love the Colorado uniforms here. <laughs> I just wish that New Mexico State would incorporate their state flag into a jersey. <laughs> UNM could do it, and I'd love it too. Yep. One of them. What a throw, He's by the way. After a hole. Um, anyway, on to the next slide. We had some all blacks from Western Kentucky, which looked pretty sick. They did put up. Their, their logo on the side of the helmet to a fan vote on Twitter, which was awesome. Uh, ended up the shiny red, all red traditional WKU towel uh, did win out over putting a shiny big red Chicken on the leg. helmet, which would have been great wouldn't, as well. And wouldn't you know, Western Kentucky alum Bailey Zappi just throws – Oh, dude, that was a pass. really it was a better catch by Jacoby Myers, if we're being honest. In the effort after the after he caught the ball is what I what impressed me, and that is one hundred percent a touchdown. He was not touched while he was down. Well, we already have the extra point is good notification as well. Oh, I didn't see that. Scorebot, so um, we'll say that Western Kentucky in these All Blacks did have a thrilling comeback victory, twenty to seventeen on friday night so very fun all blacks on friday night western kentucky looks pretty good last uniform that we wanted to highlight is this is utep in a very very throwback back to when they were called texas western university uh i love this personally i think it looks very cool and I were they still back to this were they still affiliated with the longhorns back then like, were they still part of the University of Texas system? They're still part of the University I mean, of Texas system. I know they are now. I didn't right. know if they were back then. I mean, university system hasn't changed this, that much. They're semi-affiliated, but not Longhorns. I was going to say, because this very much reminds me of the burnt <laughs> orange of the Longhorns uniform. Yeah, they weren't. They were never the Texas Western Longhorns. They were. It's it's a different thing. Uh, <laughs> no, but this fine. is I'm University just... of Texas El Paso. So it's uh, they've always been the miners and used to wear orange like this, which looks cool. I appreciate the simplicity of it with uh, with some modern touches uh, to give it a, a cleaner look than what some of the older uniforms would have had. Yeah, I love this one. And honestly, with Sam Houston State coming up to the FBS level, not very much longer. Uh, we will have basically that uniform combo in the S anyway. So, <laughs> uh, some more college news that we don't have slides for. Uh, this is really sad, and we have to start with this because we'll get into some 
better topics of conversation in a minute. But uh, San Jose State at New Mexico State, scheduled for this past Saturday, was postponed. Uh, San Jose State freshman running back Camden McWright passed away Friday morning when he was struck by a school bus. Um, And, yeah, San Jose State didn't want to play this game. Totally understandable. Uh, New Mexico State was very cool about it. Actually, this was supposed to be New Mexico State's homecoming weekend. So instead of doing that, I thought this was really cool as well. Uh, They just did a fan weekend where if you had tickets to the game, you could come onto the field and get autographs and pictures with the players and stuff, uh, which is a really cool touch from New Mexico State. Hopefully we do get to see this game at some point. Uh, If for nothing else, it might actually impact some bowl eligibility. Uh, San Jose State probably going to win that game by but um, yeah, this is this is really sad. Apparently, from everything I've heard, not only was he a fantastic football player and a, had a bright future ahead of him in the Spartans program, but also he was uh, very much a great young man, and hate to lose him like that. Now that's it's absolutely brutal. I hate stories like this. Um, my heart's out to his family um, and, and the team for that matter. Cause at that, especially at that level, the team is your family. Um, so yeah, no, that's brutal class act by, by New Mexico state here. Um, not much more you can say. Now on the exact opposite end of the spectrum uh, from like terrible, sad news to Haha, uh-huh, sucks to suck. Uh, Charlotte fired their head coach. <laughs> <sighs> there was no good way of getting her out of that story, so I just had to go. The way you deadpanned it just made it funny, too. <laughs> so, Will Healy last year led the Charlotte 49ers to like a six and six record. It was their first bowl game in forever. And he was getting some looks for FBS jobs, like keep it up, get them like seven wins this year. You'll get an FB, like a power five job potentially for sure. And then they start the season one and seven and he gets canned. So, you know, what have you done for me lately? (laughs) That football is very much a, what have you done for me lately? Career field. Offensive line coach Pete Rosamondo will take over as interim head coach. He does have head coach experience, mostly in the D2 and FCS level. Um, but, yeah, Charlotte 49ers are really bad this year. Back where they belong. <laughs> and unfortunately, for the American Athletic Conference, they're already headed to the American Athletic Conference. Um, they can't back out of that now. <laughs> so hey memphis gets a win there on the schedule that's good for you guys doubtful they'll <laughs> they'll be winning for the first two and a half quarters and then lose in a blaze of glory or be losing like for memphis. the first three and a half quarters decide to attempt to make it interesting and still lose yes that's also a memphis thing mm-hmm. um <clears throat> so we did touch on Ole miss uh getting absolutely smoked by LSU. Uh, LSU rushed the field when that happened because obviously they just beat the last undefeated team in the SEC West and Ole Miss was looking to make a real run at some things. 
LSU said, no, uh, this is Death Valley, bitch, and they rushed the field. Now, unfortunately for LSU, this is their third instance of rushing the field since the SEC made this dumbass rule, and so they will be fined $250,000. This is the worst rule in existence. I hate this more than I hate any sort of rules around NIL or anything that we have complained about in the past. Rushing the field should never be a fine. This is the, one of the greatest traditions of the college football, and it needs to continue. It's great for the sport. Fuck your field. You can fix it. You make billions of dollars a season. You can Please. fix it. Tennessee just did in the course of six days. It's totally fine. Get over yourselves. Rush the damn field. Please keep sacrificing goalposts to Poseidon. Yes. Goalposts do not deserve to be on the after a big win. They deserve <laughs> to be out on the streets among the people. And in the rivers. <laughs> I don't understand why the SEC ever made this rule, and the Big 12 did too. Y'all suck. Well, especially since especially since the ACC has it figured out. Yeah, so I guess you're wanting to get into the next story here. Um, Clemson rushed the field versus Syracuse, and everybody kind of piled on because there was a social media video now of Clemson rushing the field, and it was all over ESPN. That post-game interview with Dabo had a bunch of fans in the background. Here's the thing, though. Clemson does this all the time. They do this after every single home win. Just in recent history, there's been big enough blowouts that there aren't that many fans actually there at the end of the game to rush the field. But it's actually like an official policy that you will rush the field if they win at home. <laughs> and has been an official policy since 2003. Uh, and it's been going on for a, a lot longer than that. So I don't understand why everybody was so mad at Clemson for rushing the field when they won against Syracuse. Like, sure, I understand. Act like you've been there before. It's only Syracuse. You were favored anyway. But also, they do this all the time anyway. And I love it. I would not have laughed at them so hard if I had known that was a policy, but I actually hadn't. Um, So to me, it just seemed like you didn't even cover the spread. Like, you were down for most of the game. Why are you rushing the field? Well, that's might be a part well, of it, actually, is the fact that we're down by multiple scores and came back in exciting fashion. That adds a lot. I would to say it. as far as as far as Clemson goes, this is typically a game against Syracuse. Now normally this is up in Syracuse where they do it, but they Clemson and fuck it up a perfect season against the big orange. It looked like they were gonna do it this year and do it at home. So I, I get the excitement. I definitely do. What I don't understand is, again, why are, why are we rushing the field? I I get that it's a policy, but it's still why not? I, it's, it's so fun. I feel like it's one of those things that's got to be earned, though, right? Why why is rushing the field ever a bad thing? It's only exciting and fun for everybody. Involved. Why don't Why don't we ask it's, Nick Saban and Alabama football say, why it's a bad it's thing? It's only a bad thing if your players start hitting the fans. Well, yeah, that's the player's fault, and he should never have played this week and should be suspended from the team. <laughs> but it's Alabama. It's not the so... fan's fault. But it's Alabama, I mean, so he's not right. going to get – you know, nobody's getting in trouble. 
Exactly. I mean, I'm just gonna go ahead and say, that. I'm just gonna go ahead and say, it would not surprise me if Bailey Zappi wins the starting job tonight. Um, <laughs> well, Devontae Parker's out there mossing receivers or moss mossing cornerbacks now. <laughs> I also will say that when I was at University of Louisville. I ran out on the field after a win and got to shake Coach Strong's hand, and that was very cool for me. And I think every fan should have that opportunity in their life. <laughs> Look, I, I'm I ran saying out I, onto the Liberty Bowl too. So I've I've rushed the field right next to a general, and I looked at him, and he did not say anything as we were both going. <laughs> That's Air Force for you. Anyway, uh, rushing the field needs to be more ubiquitous in college football. I think Ohio State should start doing look, it all the time, look, too. Just all I'm saying is you. And the having 110,000 people on the field would be fun. But this is how widespread <laughs> it is. The three of us went to three very different schools and all have a story of rushing the field. That's how widespread and how good it is for the sport. I know. And then you fine LSU for having passion about the game. Unreal. Yeah. God, you have fans that care. How dare you? So after this hectic week of action, we do have some new rankings to get into. Uh, if you tuned in last week, you'll know that we are now producing our BDT Crunch ratings alongside Vol uh, for purposes of this show. If you'd like to see the full 131 plus some more interesting stats, you can join our Patreon, patreon.com slash football. But on the show, we only talk about the top 10. Uh, so the AP poll came out. The top six didn't change at all. TCU's up to seven, though. Uh, Oregon, Oklahoma State. And then we have a tie at 10 between USC and Wake Forest. Um, I hate that's possible, but it has Who the hell's voting Clemson number one? Who yeah, is the I one no dude? Uh, that win over Syracuse must have really impressed him. I mean, the fans definitely thought so. They rushed the field, didn't you see? <laughs> uh, but in the BDT trench ratings, the the movement is a lot more interesting than who's actually up here because it's mostly the usual suspects. Other than you know, Syracuse still being in the top ten is probably interesting. Uh, but Tennessee dropped four places. They were number one in the trench ratings. They dropped four places to number five. They played an FCS school and gave up 21 points. If you look at every metric for Tennessee's defense, it is hot garbage this year. Their offense is carrying this team completely. And the trench ratings take into, uh, take into account all aspects of the game. So you can't win in the trench ratings on offense alone, unfortunately, for Tennessee. And then TCU dropping a spot as well. They struggled uh, against Kansas State, looked like they were going to lose, had an incredible comeback, which, yes, that in itself is impressive. But the fact that you're giving up so many yards and you're not able to score very effectively in the first half of games does hurt you in the trench ratings. So the team up north and Georgia do move up to number one and number two, respectively, even though they were both on bye this week. Um, it's also fascinating to me that Ohio is the number four 
in the trench ratings. I, we've only started publishing these the past, this is the second week, but I've been doing the trench ratings. I've been preparing them as if it's live for the past five weeks, and they've been number four every week. This, I don't understand what's happening. I double-checked all my formulas. It is legitimate. And Ohio State's just been coasting at number four. <laughs> Can't move up or down. They're consistent, man. No, I I will tell you uh, what's most interesting to me because again, I've seen these ratings for a few years now. Um, this is the closest I think I've ever seen the top four. Oh yeah, like definitely. It it doesn't take a lot. Like the difference between Ohio State and Michigan right now is one touchdown, offensive or defensive. These are like razor thin margins. Like you've got three teams within one point four within 1.4 like man this top four is up for grabs it really is it absolutely is and tennessee and clemson are not very far behind either uh to me that alabama and syracuse are as close as they are because the perception is definitely on the side of alabama but syracuse played the first half of their schedule extremely well and i'd be fascinated to see how they finish out the rest of this acc slate and potentially Syracuse might still be up there in a New Year's Six conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I think the interesting one for me is USC rising two spots in both polls, uh, especially with, you know, what's probably going to be a backbreaker loss for them as far as college football playoff aspirations go. I saw a poll earlier today. Uh, of all the one-loss teams, who do you think has the best chance to still make the college football playoff? And for obvious Alabama. reasons, everybody was voting Alabama. Right. I want to ask you guys, though, when you look at this, and uh, we can go off the AP poll because as much as I want to say our poll is important and matters, at the end of the day, the AP poll is more of a baseline for the college football playoff poll anyway, right? So, of the one-loss teams, are you guys in agreement that Alabama is the one – that has the best chance to make the playoff today. Absolutely. I mean, it's all in front of them, and it's not all in front of them for the other teams. If Alabama wins out and wins the SEC championship game, they will 100% be in the playoff, no questions asked, and everyone will kind of like generally be okay with it. If Oregon wins out, there's still going to be the problem of, okay, you lost by 40 points to Georgia – in week one, if Oklahoma State wins out, there's still the problem of um, you're in the Big 12. If USC wins out, the pro- you have the problem of you're in the Pac-12. <clears throat> so th- I don't see any guarantees among the one losses other than Alabama. And I'm looking at it too. I mean, there's going of the undefeated teams, there's going to be two more one-loss teams right. so- at least. So right. I'm looking at this, and, and Doug, I appreciate your analysis, but I think you you put a little too much into it. Who's got the best chance of making it as a one-loss team? The answer is Alabama. And why, why can I say that? Well, we saw this exact story play out last year. Right. It's the same thing. Actually, this is rinse and repeat. There has never been an undefeated Alabama national champion. They are, Every time they win a championship, lose a game in the regular season like this is a formula man <clears throat> so there's many angles to attack this but you're right bug and that's an interesting point 
Georgia and Tennessee still have to play. Ohio State and the team up north still have to play. Assuming everything else works itself out and everybody who wins those matchups wins out, wins their championship games, then we basically already have a playoff decided. If that works out and everybody here wins out, you know, that way, it would be the winner of Georgia, Tennessee, the winner of Ohio State versus the team up north, Clemson, TCU. I don't know that that's really what's going to happen. TCU doesn't have very good odds at winning the rest of their slate. They have a very tough back end of the schedule. But that's still on the table here and would be fascinating. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be something to watch for sure. It, this is why you love college football. I get it. I do get yep. it. Anyway, I could talk about these rankings and scenarios and stuff for literally hours. I before and Tug probably remembers those days very vividly. Uh, let's move on to talk about the games that have happened. Uh, so our pick on records so far this season, I'm in the lead, but just barely. Only have a three-game lead over Tug heading into this weekend. Uh, Bug's falling behind a little bit. He's making some bold moves as well, like I'm doing the NFL, trying to catch up. Understandable. Um, you know, happens. I like being in first or in the middle because then I can just play my game and we'll be okay. Right. Right. That would be, you know, the smart move in the NFL because if I actually did that, I would be undefeated so far like bug. But I really fucked me was fucking Weaver State setting a goddamn college football record. We'll get uh, there. I love it. I love that record. Fucking asshole, we we will we will get there. Let's talk about the FBS ranked matchups first, though. Uh, and we had five of them this week, starting off with we already talked about Syracuse at Clemson a little bit. Uh, Clemson did win that game 27-21 off the back of Cade Clemson. Uh, DJ Uyunglele did get sat down. Um, and it prompted a lot of speculation, but Dabo kind of shut that down in the post-game press conference on the field, saying that DJ is still our quarterback. He's still our guy. Write that down. He's still our guy. Um, which, you know, I understand, but at the same time, I disagree. You would like to have some better offense than DJ's been giving you. Well, and I'm trying to think if this ever happened to Taj Boyd or Deshaun Watson. I don't think we ever saw a scenario like this play out with Trevor Lawrence. It, it did in the national Was it championship Trevor when Trevor Lawrence came in at halftime. Okay. There you go. Uh, I was well, like, I know it happened once. I just can't yep. remember for the life of me who it was. And that was the big hype around Trevor Lawrence after that. So, Ooh. and he never did it again. Fucker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up, we did have a top 10 Pac-12 matchup. The first top 10 Pac-12 matchup in a very long time. Five years. Uh, you, Six years, I think. You, 2016. You, something like that. I don't know for sure. You set up to Eugene, Oregon, and Oregon dominated this game. Ended up being 45 to 30, but really that was that close because UCLA's push in the fourth quarter. Uh, Oregon put up 28 points in the second quarter. Part of that due to a surprise onside kick that they actually recovered and scored another touchdown off of. So Oregon just came out swinging and dominated this game which I was very surprised at. I did take them to win. I thought it was going to be very close. And 
Oregon kind of manhandled UCLA. Yep. I no, will that's... say oh, – go, go ahead, Doug. Doug. <laughs> you first. Ladies first. I, I was going to say, Doug, this is this is the one that's going to give you some breathing room on me. I think there's a couple more later. But, uh, yeah, solid picks this week there, bud. Appreciate it. It's I'll say right slide for sure. Right before or right as this one was starting, I thought, man, I should have gone with Oregon at home. But I can't say the same thing for this Texas-Oklahoma State game. Te- Oklahoma State really impressed me this week. Yeah, Texas was winning deep into this one. And then Oklahoma State scored the final 17 points for the comeback win <laughs> at Oklahoma State. Uh, this game featured 1,058 yards of offense. Also, Texas had 14 penalties and Oklahoma State penalties. So oh, it's... God, that's gross. <laughs> <clears throat> Disgusting. Uh, it's also hilarious to me that a Mike Gundy team is more disciplined than a Nick Saban team this year. That's a legitimate thing that exists. Every team, at least going into last week, every team in the FBS was more disciplined than a Nick Saban team. I mean, true, but this week was a little bit more of the Nick Saban flavor we're used to as they very nearly shut out number 24, Mississippi State. Uh, Mississippi State did score a touchdown on the last play of the game, which is their first (laughs) touchdown in Tuscaloosa since 2014. So congratulations on that, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Why was this team ranked? Well, beating Um, Memphis ain't that fucking impressive, y'all. What the fuck? (laughs) They're not ranked anymore. God damn. It was 30 to six, and it was not that close. (laughs) Their last game, which again, we've already talked about this one a little bit. Uh, TCU did come from behind to beat Kansas State. I will say, Adrian Martinez and the backup quarterback for Kansas State both went out with injuries. Uh, I don't believe that TCU is playing dirty, though that's been the speculation on Twitter because almost every team they've gone against has had some. (laughs) very serious injuries at key positions at this point. I really don't think TCU's playing dirty. I think they're playing well, uh, which I don't blame them for. And I think somehow, somehow this ended up being a 10 point margin of victory for TCU 38, 28. Uh, but it really felt like it should have gone wildly differently after the first half. I think what's scary for me is that Kansas state, with Adrian Martinez, it more, I think the story is more about him. He's looked fantastic this year. Uh, yep. And I I know Scott Frost has been fired, so I don't know if it was a Scott Frost issue, a Nebraska scheme issue. Look at the quarterback Scott Frost produced at UCF. What in the hell happened? Like, it clearly – it wasn't Adrian Martinez. Right. I have no, no it, I can't answer it, it has to be Scott Frost and his scheme out there because – because even after Scott Frost left, Casey Thompson looks better in Nebraska too. Yeah, so I well, Casey Thompson's a Texas transfer. He wasn't never coached by Scott Frost, which helps. Well, he was this. He was the first four games of the season. I'm really true. All right, but, fair enough. But I guess my point more is, and not, I don't want to spend a ton of time on Nebraska, but what happened? Like, what didn't translate? Because Heupel's got one of the top teams in the country going in Tennessee. Like, I, I just – I, and then look at what Norvell's doing at Florida State, too. I mean – And I, look what Gus Malzahn's doing at UCF again. I mean, I mean we'll talk about that in a second. But direction, still. but we'll get there, yeah. <laughs> we'll get there. 
Anyway, uh, there were some ranked matchups in the FCS as well, which are very fun to talk about. So we like to talk about them. Um, unfortunately, some ground here. Us, Disgusting. Weber State set a new Division One football record for the most safeties allowed. Uh, they were all on bad snaps of <laughs> going through the end zone. Um, and it was all in the long snapper. So I think it was a new long snapper this week. And he just I think that long really snapper is no longer long snapping. <laughs> if they have, they had four. If they had <laughs> yeah. two, they still fucking win this game. I know they lost by five points and they gave up four safeties. This is unreal. Um, Montana State is the luckiest home team. At, at what point do you just say, fuck it, we're going to quick kick and hope for the fucking best? Right. Probably like, after the second one. Because <laughs> like, in, in these weren't like, oh, they're backed up to the five and it's out the back of the end zone. No, right. my dude well, was the, at the twenty-yard line. I, I think the most an, through the field goal posts. The most annoying thing is the punter made a good play twice, where he fell on the ball and just slid out of the back of the end zone. Because giving up two is way better than giving up giving up six or doing something right. stupid with the ball. So it's I, like the punt. Like a lot of people are going to shame the punter. He did nothing wrong. He actually played right. a position very well. I this is ridiculous montana state should not have gotten away with this one and it kind of sucks because it does take away from the rest of what was a very good game other than those four plays yeah 43 38 montana state does win this one on the back of those eight safety points good for you montana state uh next up we do have go ahead yeah i think it highlights how good weber state is that they were still in this one and very well could have won it even with all these safeties True, and all those extra possessions given to Montana State, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, next up, we do have Montana at Sacramento State. I definitely thought I was going to go 0 for 3 in the FCS this week when I started watching this game. So did I. Uh, but, man, Sacramento came back with a vengeance. They scored 17 points in the fourth quarter to force overtime, and then they scored a touchdown in the first quarter time to take this one away from Montana Montana has had now two extremely close losses against two extremely good teams. I hope they don't get penalized too much in the rankings because Montana, this is still a really good Montana team, but Sacramento State, unreal. I don't understand how they pulled this one out, honestly. I mean, crazy then, things happen. Oh, we just saw one of them was on four safeties, so crazy things happen in the FCS. That's why we love college ball. Is, I know. Last FCS ranked matchup of the day. We do have Mercer heading to Chattanooga. Uh, yeah, Chattanooga dominated. It wasn't close. Completely dominated. This wasn't close at all. Uh, it was 41-21, and that's because Chattanooga let off the gas. They went out to a 24 nothing lead and then just coasted. Apparently Mercer Simple. gets fucking dominated everywhere they play. I mean, I did not expect this at all. I got to say, I legitimately thought Mercer had a good shot here. And no, I was wrong. So, <laughs> And Mercer has played some good games against ranked opponents in the right. at the FCS level earlier in the season uh, that have actually knocked some, some teams out and had people questioning those teams. So now they're on the other side of this. I mean, unreal. College football is so insane. Yes. Uh, <laughs> our last slide here. Uh, did not go well for this any of ugly. us. 
Oh, we we memed ourselves twice. I'll start it off. Uh, UCF at East Carolina. I picked this one because I thought East Carolina was going to have a chance. I did not expect them to win the way they did. <laughs> no way, dude. This is unreal. Uh, and and moreover, you know, ECU just came off the tails of an overtime double overtime win against Memphis last week, <clears throat> and uh, they did that mostly through the air. We saw flashes of that run game last week against the Tigers, but this week that was the dominating factor against the Golden Knights. It just seemed like UCF was not ready for it, and they take an absolute beating here at the hands of the Pirates. Final score, 34-13. to 13. This was... <clears throat> This was domination, and we we got some backlash uh, for how we talked about ECU preseason. This is why. I just want to say it would be incredibly fun to have a, an American championship game with ECU and Tulane this oh season. Oh, my God. We <laughs> fucking might. It's heading that way. Oh, man. Uh my game of the week was Southern Miss at Texas State, and it did not disappoint. It was very exciting, at least in the last uh, two minutes. Uh, if you watched any of the rest of the game, it was probably very boring. But the last two minutes was some of the most exciting stuff in all sports. Not kidding you. I'm going to recap the entire last two minutes because it was incredible. So, it was like 13-7, to 7, right? Texas State scores a touchdown with a minute and 20 left in the game. They have this amazing drive. The first time the offense has looked competent all game, looked really good. 14 to 13, Texas State. There's a minute 20 left in the game. Southern Miss has the ball. They move it up to like midfield roughly. They look like they're stalling out. It's fourth and four from their own 47 yard line. And they score a touchdown <laughs> to go up 20 to 14. And so then the ensuing kickoff happens. Texas State gets the ball. They start driving. It looks like they're putting together a game winning drive with like 32 seconds on the clock after that touchdown. The only turnover of the entire game happens. Texas State throws an interception. Southern Miss seals it. I, I'm so glad I saw the end of this game. It was <laughs> greatest shit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and I'm like almost not even mad at how this one turned out for me picking Texas State because that was so, that was so fun. <clears throat> I mean, congrats, I guess. Well, another Mountain West deserve that. <laughs> Well, another Mountain West game and another meme for us. Look, look, I know if you fumble the ball three times after score, you're not going to win. Air Force's defense really did show up and gave them a chance to be in that game. They just couldn't piece it together. I thought they were at the end, and again, they just couldn't connect on some passes. Look, Boise State just outplayed them almost the entire game. Um, what's starting to become evident is the in-conference opponents, specifically the in-division opponents, have figured out how to stop the triple option, and and that's kind of plaguing Air Force right now, uh, which is what's going to happen when you play them year in and year out. They're going to f- end up figuring out, like, hey, I need to play a disciplined kind of defense, which is all it takes. Uh, and then, yeah, dropping the ball on just outside pitches is just not a good 
good thing. You shouldn't be doing that. It's not a winning strategy, I would say. Yeah. No. And this is coupled with the fact that Navy just doesn't have athletes right now. This has been their problem in the American Athletic Conference the past couple of years, too. So I, yeah. I'm not surprised to see this catching up to Air Force. It does suck when they were favored to win every single game this year. They're the only team in the FBS level to do to have that distinction. No, there were three uh, teams. There were three. There were it, one of either way, one of three. That's an elite club, and especially yeah, when I'm, you're on par with Alabama and Ohio State is the only other two. Yeah, it's rough. It's rough. So after this week of nonstop action, we do have some updated records. Tog uh, does pull ever so much closer to the number one spot, but he is still in second place. Fuck you. And Bug is still in third place. Not been my year with picks, man. I was killing I mean, it in the NFL last year. I got time to make it up, though. You got you got plenty of time. We got and I got both the season in, in college to make it up too. So, well, and we're picking a lot of <coughs> a lot of games each week now too. So it's easier to make up that that deficit. And we're only picking good games, which is makes this way harder. Like, most of these games are coin flips at this point. And if you saw, if you paid attention, almost every single game that we picked ended up being home team. So maybe some hints for you boys next week. <laughs> Go with the home team whenever you're in doubt. That's, that's how it's in the works. I mean, something like that, right? So let's wrap things up with a review of the prospects that I highlighted uh, last week or you guys highlighted for me since I was still out. Uh, starting off with East Carolina's tight end, Ryan Jones. He did finish with four catches for 40 yards, which is nothing crazy, right? But it is a tight end, you have to remember. So that's still solid production, I would say. And it was more interesting to me that as a former defensive back, he was still on the field for a lot of rushing plays in some run blocking scenarios. I don't know if he's good at that yet. I would need to see some more evidence before I can make that claim. But that does a lot for your draft stock if you're actually a versatile player like that and can run block. Um, I'm shocked that East Carolina won. I'm not shocked that their winning formula was on the ground rather than through the air, even though they are generally a productive passing team with, with Holton Aylers at quarterback. Um but yeah, still actually very productive receiving stats and surprising amount of run blocking for Ryan Jones. I would like to see uh, kind of like what I said before. I would love to see this kind of a guy get a senior bowl in something like that, some kind of a showcase where he can actually work with some tight end coaches from the next level and they can see what he's got. Yeah, I was I was interested when I saw you pick Ryan Jones, of course. Very familiar with the ECU offense after uh, the Memphis game the pre previous week. He didn't seem to have a big role as far as receiving went in that game. So I was curious to see if maybe he was going to be targeted more. Obviously, UCF has been producing cornerbacks at a very high rate. You right. had to expect that the receivers were not going to be able to get that separation. But as we talked about, being that former DB, the matchups against middle linebackers I thought were favorable. So, yeah, the fact that he's in there run blocking – also very surprising. Every, pretty much everything you just said, plus a little bit more. 
On the defensive side of the ball, I did go with safety J.L. Skinner uh, for Boise State. I love this picture of the pass breakup, by the way. Uh, (laughs) But he only recorded three tackles, two of them being solo. Brings him up to 40 and 20 on the year. Uh, I expected a lot more. But I will say, after actually watching him play, I think this was more of a scheme issue than a player issue as far as run support. And it looks like, especially seeing the stat line, kind of crazy, uh, all of the tackles in this game went to linebackers. <laughs> so that is Boise State's run defense is that front seven, which makes sense. I thought they would bring the safeties up a lot more than they did. But you do have to respect Zeke Daniels in the pass game more than a lot of people will let on. And I understand it to that extent. I do think... I would be very surprised, I should say, if he's not utilized more in the run game at the next level. And I do expect he will be drafted at some point. He is a very talented, very rangy, and very big safety. So that screams next level potential. And he certainly has the stats to back it up. But we'll see if he can pull something better together the next couple of weeks if the scheme allows it. You know who else was a very big, very rangy safety that – got drafted at the next level and became a linebacker. Brian Urlacher. That's that's what I was saying the whole time. He's got a lot of a lot of lobo back uh, qualities and traits, if you will. I mean Yeah. That'd be... We hate making those comparisons. I'm just I, when I, you're talking I body size. I didn't really watch Brian Urlacher in college, not gonna lie. So I don't think any of us did either. <laughs> I don't think any of us were alive. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what I'm getting at. I mean, so, we were, so, whatever. Brian Urlacher played college in the 1920s. What are you talking about, Ben? Oh, <laughs> the Bears haven't been good since the 1940s. So, <laughs> for the first time in about three, four, five, six weeks, we're actually going to talk some non-NFL pro news. We're in a groove with college and the NFL. We're in the meat and potatoes of the season, but there is some stuff starting to come up about our favorite spring leagues here, in particular – USFL and XFL have a little bit of news leaking out here. Not really a leak, anything bad or any, you know, whatever. Uh, the USFL has announced a partnership with Hub, Hub Football. Essentially, they're a third-party connection to NFL scouts. They'll set up workouts, camps for players to, in hoping that they can get these guys invited to NFL camps. I kind of think... The- Invite-only camps, though, kind of important. They have their own scouting department, and they look for talent and then try to connect that talent to NFL scouts. Fascinating intermediary. And I think of it kind of as huddle for pros. Obviously, the camps might be a little bit extra that you don't get from something like huddle or max preps, but this is is huge for a league like this, and this is going to be a big – big selling point to get guys to go to the USFL because the XFL has just announced a partnership with the IFL, the Indoor Football League, and essentially they're going to be sharing a player pool. So if you watch soccer internationally and you're familiar with kind of the transfer pool, this is essentially what's going to be going on. This is kind of a big deal, especially since the MLS and like the Premier League play at completely different times of the year. You can transfer over to America and play for a season or vice versa and then go back to your original club. And this is exactly what's going to happen with the XFL. We've already announced that they've had a partnership uh, with the NFL alumni camp 
I believe is the exact terminology there. They have a there. couple of these partnerships now. Yeah, so the fact that IFL players are going to be able to not only showcase that they can make moves in tight, confined areas, they're going to be able to show how that translates to a 100-yard game, and that's only going to elevate their stock because I think a lot of guys end up playing arena football because they don't have other options. Well, now these guys do. They have a stage to show that they might have the talent, and let's be real, the XFL is the ultimate stage to showcase your talent. We talked about two former XFL quarterbacks uh, at the NFL level this week on this very show. So I love everything about this partnership. I like this more than the NFL partnership. Obviously, that one's a bigger deal. Obviously, that one has bigger, more meaningful implications that people can foresee uh, than this partnership does. But I think this is huge for both leagues. Uh, arena football has not been a big thing since the AFL collapsed a second time. Uh, and the IFL has been trying to fill that void but it still seems very niche. I don't know if this brings them to the front, but I think it helps. I definitely I'm wondering if this is actually going to shy NFL teams away from some of these guys. Yeah, it's more time to showcase your talent. Um but my concern comes in with these guys playing football year round. That is absolutely brutal. We talk about it all the time, especially with guys like running backs, you know, wear on the tires, things like that. I'm Playing two seasons, man, that's going to be rough. If they've got it, they've got it, and I love it. But I'm wondering if this is actually going to shy some NFL teams away. Running back, sure, but every other position benefits. <laughs> Very true. And last but not least, uh, you know, this is huge news for the XFL. This really is. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to just gas this up. I think this is a, a very big step forward for them, a very positive thing. Uh, but still, the only information we have on a start date is February 18th. We don't have players. We don't have a lot of things. This is five days after the Super Bowl. And, guys, we are getting close to that halfway mark in the NFL season. This is uh, – are you getting concerned at all that maybe the XFL just won't happen? I know there's been a lot of – there's a lot of chatter and naysayers out there that, oh, I'm not buying in until they play a game because, let's be real, the XFL has burnt us twice as fans. What are you guys thinking here? I have seen a lot of things floating around on Twitter of players receiving invitations to be part of the draft. I do think the draft is going to happen relatively soon. And, you know, we've seen quick turnarounds on these spring leagues before. Maybe only four weeks of training before the, the games start. I think that's very possible still. And I think there's too much money behind it at this point too many partnerships happening for it not to happen just straight up maybe there's a delay but at this point it looks like it's moving forward when there's smoke there's fire i've seen the draft invites so probably gonna happen yeah I, i'm more leaning on the side that it is going to kick off is it going to kick off on the 18th i don't know that seems outstandingly close to the super bowl um, that's what they did two years ago I, too, though. No, still, absolutely. So yeah, still feels too close. <laughs> so I, I, I mean, don't know. We'll we'll see. I, I do think it is going to happen. <laughs> I will throw it, out here. I will say throw out was, here because I've always I've always been behind the XFL. I've always been, you know, Mister Positive when it comes to the XFL and any of these spring leagues. Black Adam just came out. That's where the Rock's attention has been. Uh, there's a lot of 
a lot of people saying he's single-handedly saving DC, the DCEU, especially when it comes to the movie region here. I mean, okay. Uh, or at least that's what he's trying it. to do. <laughs> at least that's what he's trying to do. And he's put a lot of time and effort into promoting this movie. So I'm hopeful that more things will start to trickle out about the XFL in the coming weeks. Well, he's not the now, only I was... owner of the XFL, so I... it's fine. He's the one people are going to listen to. Let's be real. Do you care what sure. Danny Garcia has to say? Be honest. That's I mean, sexist. I do because I care about the future of the XFL, but most people won't. You're right. That's that's my point. <laughs> All right. As I was going to say, guys, I would say the XFL is definitely happening if I was deploying because every time I deployed a new spring league sprung up. So, unfortunately, I'm not. So, it's still up in the air. I mean, there's still time. Get on the shit. <laughs> Trust me, I'm trying. <laughs> well, I think that's all we have for our show this week. Um, I guess I'll just hand it off to you guys for everything else. Tug, you're cutting in and out pretty hard, so I'll take the uh, the links for us again just to make sure we get them out nice and clear here. If you want to support the show, there's a couple ways you can do it. We are now affiliates on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv backslash big dudes in the trenches. You can sub there. Uh, proceeds will go to help the show. You can also donate bits if you're watching us live. No need to do that, though. Don't feel like you have to, just if you want to support. The other way to support the show is by heading over to patreon.com backslash BDT football. You want to keep up to date with what we're talking about, what we're thinking. Head on over to twitter.com backslash BDT football. It should be pretty obvious who is who uh, based on what's kind of getting tweeted out there. We all have access to it, and it's kind of a free-for-all uh, over the weekends at times. You also head over to facebook.com backslash BDT football. If there's a group on Facebook you think we should join, let us know. Hit us up in the chat. Or you could email us at mailbox.bdtfootball.com to give us that group suggestion there. Speaking of bdtfootball.com, that is our website. Uh yeah, it exists. It's currently under review. We're, we're trying to figure out the best way to utilize that space. Uh, same thing with our Instagram, Instagram.com backslash BDT underscore football. Uh, we're working on ways to make that better, more better for you in the future here. Uh, but we've got we've got some stuff in the works. And the thing we had the most in the works that is live now, and we're officially going to start doing some real things in our Discord, the link will be posted in the description below if you're listening on audio it's been scrolling across the bottom if you've been watching this uh discord.dgg and then a bunch of random letters just go click the link it's a forever non-expiring invite to our discord there and then go to youtube search big dudes in the trenches on youtube and you'll find us there again and when you go there hit that subscribe button help us get to 100 subscribers and get a real url that we can actually shout out on the show Tug, I will let you take it away here momentarily, but I just want you all to know snails can sleep for up to three years. It is Snapple Fact Monday. That's right. I I wish I were a snail. That sounds really great right now. That sounds fantastic, doesn't it? I've had this caterpillar sleeping on my upper lip for a while, too, so I guess caterpillars can sleep for a while, too. Same. I, I can't say that. I'm sorry. I've let <laughs> you guys down. On my chin, so. one, of these, one of these baby birds going to grow up on my chin. I have no idea when this nest <laughs> is moving out. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is all the time we have in the show today. Thank you for watching or for listening. And just remember, you can't win a game if you can't win the trenches.